0: If not I'm going to put, tell you to turn to Jonah, maybe put a pen in there. I'm going to preach from Jonah, but I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter number 12. Uh, you might turn to the book of Jonah if you want to follow along. it's a very familiar um, scripture that I've preached on many times, I guess uh, and it's probably one of the most ridiculed subjects in all the Bible that, that men say did not happen. But I'm going to read to you out of Matthew, and uh, and if the Lord Jesus Christ refers to Jonah and what happened to him as being a real event, then we have no choice but to believe it's a real event. And so it was testified of by Jesus in Matthew chapter number 12, and I do again desire a great interest in your prayers. This has been on my heart about all week, and... and uh, it sort of ties in with our Sunday school lesson as far as Joppa is concerned. Uh, we've been talking in Sunday school for the last two weeks about how Simon Peter was at Joppa and uh, and and Cornelius had sent to Peter at Joppa and Joppa was the city that Jonah went to to find a ship to go to Tarshish. And so um, anyhow, just while you're flipping, I thought I'd share that. Uh, Matthew chapter number 12, uh, verse uh, number 39, the 38, I'm sorry. It says, Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Um, That's all I'm going to read. If you want to flip to Jonah, we're going to go down through that story a little bit. Now I've thought about this for most of the week and, and uh, we know the story, we're familiar with the story of Jonah. It was in uh, Bible stories that were read to me from the time I was a child and I'm thankful as uh, uh, Sister Renee mentioned a while ago about having grandparents that would take you to church and pop, mamas and daddies that would take you to church, read you uh, Sunday school teachers from the time I was a child has told me the story of Jonah, but I'm, I'm always thankful to uh, to learn new things and to open your eyes unto new things in the Word of God. And, and so uh, Jonah was a man. He was a prophet uh, of the Lord. And it says, "...the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city..." and cry against it, for wickedness is come up before me. And so that was the commandment that God gave unto this prophet. Now I might stop there and say this was a very, very rare thing uh, that God would send a prophet. We've been talking in Sunday school about how in the Old Testament, up until the time that Jesus established His church, it it was the duty of the Jewish people to carry the gospel unto the world. Uh, but it was a very, very rare thing to send a prophet of God unto a heathen pagan people. But that's exactly what God was doing. Assyria uh, was the land, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And, uh, and God sent Jonah to Nineveh, to that great city, uh, to cry against all the wickedness. So Jonah, the Bible says, he arose and he fled from the presence of the Lord, and he wanted to go to Tarshish, and uh, which was the opposite direction, maybe closer to Spain. And anyway, it said he he fled from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa. And uh, and, and let me stop there. Uh, Satan will uh, will try to get you to avoid your work in any way. Uh, do you think that it was just by chance? Uh, that, that Jonas said, I'll arise and I'll go to Nineveh. He got down to Joppa and lo and behold, there was a the ship bound for Nineveh. I'm telling you, you can find excuses to get out and Satan will always make it an easy thing for you uh, to turn away the work of the Lord and get out and, uh, and and away from His presence. It's an easy thing to travel on a broad road that leads to destruction. It's a hard thing altogether to be on that straight and narrow road that leads unto life. But the Bible says He... Paid the fare thereof. And I thought about that one statement for most of the week. Uh, he paid the fare thereof. And, and I thought about it in the context that uh, to flee from the presence of the Lord it's going to require a price from you. Uh, you that are lost and without God. Uh, to run from the drawing of God. Uh, to die in a lost condition. It's going to cost you a great price. I thought about it in the way that, uh, that to, as a church and as a people uh, that, that have been uh, called out from this world uh, to testify to a heathen and a pagan country and a pagan world to, uh, to flee from the presence of the Lord, you will pay a great price. Uh, you will pay the fare thereof. And the Bible says he got on the ship and got out to the sea. And the Lord sent a great tempest in. And we know that story. But the Bible says that Jonah, uh, while all of the shipmen and and the, and the, the mariners were there on top and on the deck uh, fighting this storm, the Bible says Jonah uh, was not only asleep but he was fast asleep. In other words, uh, he didn't have a care. He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And uh, I would call your attention to the fact uh, that this probably wasn't the only ship out on board uh, out on the waters that day in the Mediterranean. Uh, There had to be other ships. Uh, They didn't know why this tempest had come. Uh, But it had come because of one man's disobedience. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean to say to you, uh, you that have been saved, I mean to say unto you, uh, they have been born again by the Spirit of God. Uh, They came and woke Jonah up. And they said, what meanest thou, O sleeper? I would stop there for just a while. Uh, There are two classes of sleeping people in the world today. Uh, There are the spiritually uh, uh, dead uh, in trespasses and sins that have never been saved, uh, that are asleep. And it's going to require a great price from you if you die in a lost condition. And then there comes the fact of those who have been born again but have simply fallen asleep. Now, what do you mean by that? I know I'm starting off a little scattered. You pray for me. I mean to tell you that people around Jonah were in danger. I mean to tell you that by one man's disobedience, He put His ship and every ship that was sailing on the Mediterranean Sea that night or that day in grave peril. I mean to say unto you, He didn't even realize the danger He was putting people in. And I would say to you, church, uh, what meanest thou, O oh sleeper? Uh, can you not see there are those in our midst this morning uh, that are lost without God? I'm afraid we don't see the danger if we, uh, if they don't see the danger in them being lost. If you're here today, uh, lost without God, and you don't see the danger of slipping out of time and into eternity, uh, lost without God, as we sang while ago, the day is soon coming on planet and earth uh, when the trump shall shall sound and the Lord shall descend. You might say we're a long way from that preacher. Well, you can define a long way. All I know is what the Bible says, that there's but a step between you and death. uh, That every tick of that clock uh, you're one step closer to eternity. Uh, Can you not see the danger? I'm afraid we as a church, uh, we have lost sight of the danger uh, that our lost people are in. They stand in danger of damnation and of hellfire. And they stand in danger of judgment. They stand in danger of going down into a pit that has no bottom. They stand in danger of burning forever. They stand in danger of the smoke of their torment ascending up out of the bottomless pit forever and ever and ever. My friends, you are in grave peril and grave danger. And what are you doing sounding? asleep our lost people i told brother eats i talked to him the other night and i said brother i'm looking forward to revival it seems like things are building a sort of christian going up what do you mean by that i mean i don't know about you but the last few times we've met in this place i felt the Spirit of the Lord pass by. I've seen people begin to cry out and testify. Could it be that maybe we're beginning to see the danger? Maybe we're finally going to wake up and see the danger that our lost sinners are in. My friend, that's the, that's the trouble with a sleeping church. Satan doesn't fear those who are sound and fast asleep, but he fears those who stand ready like watchmen. He, he fears those who, who are in a living church In a living faith, Uh, my friend, there are a great many professors of salvation, uh, but they seem to have no holy fire in them. Now I know it's impossible uh, to live a life of holiness on fire all the time. But I mean from time to time. uh, Good gracious, we ought to ask God uh, just to wake us out of our slumber and realize there are men and women, boys and girls, scrambling all about us. They're in danger. Uh, So these men on the ship were in danger and Jonah was sound fast asleep under the stern of the ship. And they came and they said, What are you doing, old sleeper? Rise! Rise and call upon thy God. And Jonah rose up. And they said, We don't know why all this has happened. Who are you? And where do you come from? And Jonah said, I'm a an Hebrew. And I fear the Lord my God. He said, I serve the God who created the heaven and the earth and the dry land. And He created the sea. It's Him I serve. And He said, For all for it's, it's my fault that we're in this danger. You know whose fault it is that the world is in this danger? It lies at the feet of the church of the living God. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean, we've let, we, we, we have fallen fast asleep while the world perishes. Uh, my friend, we have fallen fast asleep. It's almost as if these little children that we have grown up with, have grown up around us, that you've watched grow from boys and girls into young men and young women, and if they're still lost without God, it's almost as if we, uh, we don't consider the danger that they're in. It's almost as if we don't consider that we're putting Him in danger when we don't follow the Spirit of the Lord. You see, sin, sin always hurts more than one man. It always puts those... Oh, what do you mean by that, preacher? I mean to say to you, if God's got a job for you, if He's calling you to preach, you ought to preach. That's what I mean. And by not doing that, you're putting other men and women in danger by you not following the Lord. Now they'll stand on their own bottom in the day of judgment. And nobody will say it was somebody else's fault that I died lost. But I will tell you this. God says there will be somebody's blood that will be required at the hand of those who stay asleep. So it all works together. The sinner will bear the responsibility for himself or herself going to hell. But there will also be a judgment coming upon the Lord's own church and upon the Lord's own people. For we see the danger if we could have got half sense about us today and we see the shape that the world is in and we see the prophecies one by one. You can make a list and you can begin to cross those prophecies off. I'll say this, there's not a whole lot yet still to happen. There's not a whole lot rather than has to happen before the Lord comes back for us. There's really not. You can cross them off one at a time and see how many have been fulfilled. And the Bible said in Ezekiel's writings, the time is soon coming. Uh, when it will no more be said, uh, this is for a far off time. I want you to understand, this generation is in danger. This generation. And Jonah, Jonah was a proud Hebrew. He didn't want to go preach to a pagan people. He didn't want them to be saved. You might say, that's a horrible thing. Well, I don't know. It is a horrible thing, but that's how He was. I must not make excuses for Him. He didn't want to go do it. He didn't want to go preach to them. He didn't like them, quite honestly, I guess. And they were the enemies of the Jews. But there He was, sound asleep, just like many of us are today, just as fast asleep. I'm telling you, I think about some of our children I've been here three years. I think about from time to time some of them falling down into a pit of darkness and everlasting destruction. And I mean it grabs and tears at my very soul. I mean at the core of my being I see the danger that they're in. There have been times in my life I've been like Jonah and I've been fast asleep. While the world around me perishes, And I've been fast asleep. Maybe that's where you are today, dear friend. Been saved but walking afar off. I would ask you today, uh, what would it take for you to wake up and see the danger and see the judgment? It's not the wrath that's here, but it's the wrath that's yet to come that concerns me about these dying lost without God. I mean to tell you there won't be no appeals court. There won't be no appellate court. There'll be no mercy there. There'll be no blood there. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. And it's finished when you die lost without God. And you don't see that danger. You don't see that because Satan has blinded your hearts. And He's blinded your minds. And my friend, He's blinded the very church that should be preaching the Gospel and living the Gospel and warning the Gospel and warning them that are unruly and warning them that are lost. Be like Jonah. God commanded him, Arise and go to Nineveh. That was the command. And so the command of the Lord's church today is Arise and go. The same message. And uh, my friend, but we've fallen fast asleep. We've fallen underneath the ship, found asleep, and meanwhile those around us are dying. You ever thought about it? They're dying lost all about us. They're dying lost without God, without hope. And there was Jonah. God had prepared you. I better, I better hurry along, but you know the story. Jonas said, "Throw me overboard! Just throw me overboard, and the ship will be at ease, and you'll take your rest." And and he, I deserve to die, is basically what he was saying. But God showed mercy even in Jonah's even in uh, slumbered sleepiness. I'm glad He's still a God of mercy today. They threw Jonah overboard, but God had prepared a great fish, the Bible said, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah said, as the Lord Jesus Christ quoted, out of the bellies and depths of hell cried I, and thou hast heard my voice. God prepared a fish. It wasn't Jonah's time to die. Jonah still had a message he needed to deliver. God had laid His hand upon Jonah for one thing and one purpose, to go and preach to the Nineveh. I'm telling you, you've never felt anything in your life until you felt the hand of God. Some of you brethren know what I'm talking about. You feel the hand of God falling upon you to go and preach the Gospel. That's how He called me with three words. Preach the gospel over and over and over again. I just preached the gospel. And I tried to be like Jonah and I fled and I fled and I ran and I ran. I wouldn't qualify. I wasn't I wasn't good enough. I wasn't enough for God to use but still it kept coming Just preach the Gospel. And what finally got to me was if God has sent me and prepared me to preach the Gospel and somebody dies lost and I never preached the Gospel to them, they'd end up in hell and they'd end up there, but God would require that blood at my hands. You understand what I'm saying? It falls upon the church to preach the Gospel. And so that's what we need to do. And a great fish had swallowed up Jonah. And Jonah said, I'm cast out of thy sight. But he said, I will turn again to thee toward thy holy temple. I'm glad a second chance is not you. I'm glad I've made a mess of so many things in my life. So many times I've strayed far away. But Jonah said, unto thy temple again, I will return unto thee. He began to pray the Psalms. He began to take, why is it important to study the Scripture and to know the Word of God? You read the second chapter of Jonah and you compare that with David and David's Psalms. What Jonah was doing, he was praying the Word of God uh, back to God. You ever do that? You ever say, Lord, Your Word says this and you have to be faithful unto Your Word? I've done that many times. Now let me tell you, you can get saved by the throat. You can get a stronghold over the enemy when you start praying the Word of God to him and praying the Word of God to the Father. You can gain an advantage over your enemy. That's what Jonah did. And Jonah said, the Bible said, after three days and three nights, that great fish vomited Jonah up out on the dry land. And God told him one more time, Arise and go unto Nineveh, that great city, and begin to cry out against it for the wickedness. Now, Nineveh, the Bible says, was a city of about three days' journey. In other words, it would take about three days to walk down through it. You might say, that's a, that's a, that's a mighty big job for one man. And it was. God didn't send Jonah any help. The Lord sent the apostles out two by two. And there Jonah was all by his lonesome. Sometimes it's like that. It's always good when I've got a preaching brethren around me in revivals and I can feel their prayers because they stood where I stand and they know what it's like. But sometimes it's a road that you must walk alone. And Jonah went by himself into this great city and he just began to say, he didn't say a lot to us. He said, get forty days and then it shall be overthrown. I don't know if He said any more than that, but those eight words are all that's in recorded history that He said. But don't you know He said that? And the people believed Him and they believed God, that group of pagan, heathen people that didn't know anything about God. They heeded the message. They saw their need. They saw the danger. And my friend, I don't see how in my life some of you have been in church your whole life and you've heard messages preached unto you and you've you've been blinded and st- Still to this day you are sound asleep and I think to myself how out of all the messages on hell and damnation I don't care how hot that I've tried to preach hell I don't care the consequences that I've tried to teach you and preach unto you that you will pay the fare thereof if you try to flee from the presence of the Lord the Bible says there's a place for you where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched it's such a horrible place. that Jesus said, you'd be well off to cut off your hand and if it offends you rather than your whole body be cast into hell fire. I don't care how hard I preached it, some of you have still not saw your condition. And I can't change that. The only thing I can do is keep preaching unto you and keep praying unto God that He would open up your hearts Conviction in your soul, it don't come from the man of God, it comes from the Spirit of God, but he uses the man of God to do that. He does. He uses the preaching of the gospel. How shall they hear? Paul said, without a preacher. How shall they hear about Jesus Christ without somebody to preach unto them? And you might say, what's my job, preacher? You might not be called to preach, but the life you live is a living testimony of the Word of God. Now, we're living in a day now. I think back, and I've read stories of in history books about the Great Awakenings, and I've read stories about how uh, when Charles Spurgeon would preach in London in the 1800s, thousands of people, he lived in a day men were eager to hear the Word of God. right. We're not living in such a day today. Men men don't want to hear the word of God because it'll make them accountable to God. If they hear the word, they're accountable. And that goes for the church too. Most churches don't want to hear the word of God. Afraid God will give them something to do. I thought to myself, I've had conversations with some brothers here and my wife here and some brothers away from here. And I say to myself sometimes, I wonder if that, if we we'll don't have some that's been saved. Maybe God's calling them to a work and they just don't want to ever admit it because they don't want to start the work. Amen. Amen. Amen? That's what Jonah did. He ran. And by running, he put other souls in danger. You are putting souls in danger by spurning what God is having you to do. Whether it be by joining a church Uh, Lord, I've never felt, I've just never felt led to join. I've never felt led to be baptized. Now, shouldn't nobody, shouldn't no preacher have to plead and beg with you, have to follow what the Holy Book says, that repent and be baptized? Uh, Shouldn't nobody have to to coax you and lead you? Uh, God will lead you to the right place, Uh, but shouldn't nobody, nobody, Nobody has to say, Well, I never have been led. If you can say that, then my friends are walking far away from God and far away from His Word. Because that's the first commandment. After you repent is to be baptized. But people don't want to hear that today. No. Because it makes them accountable. I want you to understand we're in a fight. We're in a fight, and we're in a fight of our lives. There are soldiers. I've worked with people who would like to take their leads, sit on their leaves and just sit up under a tree somewhere, and I'm afraid that's where most of our churches are. And I'm afraid that's where most of our members are. I've worked with people. Let me just put it bluntly. I've worked with some awfully lazy people. You might say, Preacher, that's harsh. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I've worked with some lazy people. And I've seen some lazy people inside the church of God. We're living in a time now, you go to Walmart right now, I'm sure somebody's parked in the fire lane they are a bit more handicapped. Why do they do that? One, they're too lazy to walk from a parking place to the front door. Amen. Amen? And what they're saying is, I am more valuable than you. You have to walk there. I'm so good I don't have to. That's what they're saying. I might be talking to some of you. It it grates my nerves to see that. It grates my nerves. Because they can walk around in that store for an hour and a half, but they can't walk from a parking lot. That, that, that kind of thinking is led into our churches. And that's where our churches are at, sound asleep and in their slumber, a lazy. And people around them are dying and going to hell. Amen. I mean, we're in a battle. God don't want a soldier to sit up under a shade tree somewhere. He prefers His soldiers to be on the battlefield. And Jonah just said, yet forty days, and of us shall be overthrown. And the king that sat on his throne commanded everybody everywhere to repent in sackcloth and ashes. And my friend, God heard that. And God spared that city. And that made Jonah angry. It made Jonah angry. And he said, Lord, I knew You'd do that. I put my reputation on the line. I thought of you as going to destroy this place. And now you've spared your life. And Jonah said, let me die now. I've just seen enough. I'm not fit to live anymore. And Jonah made a booth. And he said and he watched what would become of this great city. I want you to see how callous even a man of God can get. I'm afraid that's where some of us are. This world has a way of searing your conscience with a hot iron. This world has a way of, of keeping you into a slumber and not seeing the danger. God caused a great gourd to come up and, and overshadow Jonah. And he could get out of the heat from the sun from this gourd. And Jonah woke up and he was thankful for that. He woke up the next morning and God had sent a worm. The gourd was destroyed, and a violent uh, uh, heat, east wind came and beat upon Jonah's head. And Jonah was angry. And God said, Are you angry because of the joy of the gourd? And Jonah said, Yes, I'm angry. I have every right and reason to be angry. And God said, Jonah. You're angry over this gourd that you didn't labor for, and that you didn't work for, and that came up in a night was destroyed in a night. You felt more sympathy for that gourd than you do for a hundred and twenty thousand people in this city. That he said, "Should not I pity them?" Like you pitied that gourd, I'm telling you. You know what's you know what's wrong with the church today? We've got a little bit too worldly. Amen, we have. We've got a little bit too formal in our worship. We've got a little bit of formalism that has creeped into our places of worship. And we've got a little bit too much of the world on our mind. And we pity for the things of the world more than those that are lost without God. Am I being honest with you today? I believe I'm preaching right down the line when there are people dying all about us. And they're dying, lost without God. There used to be a time of man of God and call for an altar prayer. I know it's a pandemic situation, but let me tell you what else I know. I know the pandemic is here. I know that. I understand that, and I don't blame anybody for wanting to keep distance right now. I really don't. But I mean, you know what else I know to be true? That these that are lost without God need a praying people that surrounded the altar, lifting up their voice. And one mind and one accord that God will get hold of them. We've lost a little bit of our fire. We have simply fallen asleep. And they said, What meanest thou, O oh sleeper? Boy, that was laid home to my heart this week. And paying the fare, there's a price that's going to have to be paid for sin. There's a price that when you reach the end of your life, There'll only one it won't matter what kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in, and none of the things of this world will mean a thing. It's as somebody mentioned earlier this morning, do you have the Lord, as Brother Tim Austin said, Do you have him here? Do you have him in your heart? Do you have something there? Do you have a place to go to where you met with the Lord and you know all about him and you know him if not, you're in danger. You're in danger of hellfire and you're in danger of the coming judgment. Brother Splendor preached here a few months ago out of the book of Nahum. Nahum preached to those same people about a hundred years after Jonah. God spared Nineveh, that great wicked city, during Jonah's time. But you know, during Nahum's time, He didn't spare them no more. That door was shut one day that door is going to be shut and He won't spare any longer. My, my, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the horror that goes through a soul the very moment they lift up their eyes and hail. Can you just imagine for one second the horror that floods over them, realizing I've lifted up my eyes and I'm in hell and there's no getting out. That's the battle that we're in. It's a battle not for land, not for sovereignty, not for nationalities, not for borders, but it's a battle for souls. And we have a great enemy. And he's deceived this whole world. He's deceived a whole generation. Saying that a man can be a woman and a woman don't matter. I'm telling you, he's got, he's got, he's got America and the world by the throat. There's coming a day when God will no longer be like He did in the days of Jonah. He repented of that evil and He spared that great sin. There's coming a day He's not going to spare anymore. But He's going to unsheath that sword and walk throughout the land and begin to smite everyone who has not been born again. I don't know how this message has been. It's been, I feel like, a, a very, very poor effort. But I want you to understand there's danger. There's a price that's going to have to be paid both on the saved for not witnessing and the lost for not repenting. And we're going to pay that price. We're going to pay it. And they're paying for it. By the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people was waiting on a prophet to come and preach to them. There are thousands upon thousands of people in this world waiting for a message to come to them of hope, of Jesus, and of a Savior. The church is the only organization qualified to preach that message. It's the only one that has the authority from God to preach into a lost and dying world. It bears upon you the responsibility as you hear the preaching uh, to think about what the man of God is saying uh, to realize they're lost about you. If you're one of those lost, the responsibility falls upon you to heed the warning, heed the call, and repent and believe. That responsibility falls upon you as an individual. And it falls on the church as they collect it. It falls upon us. So are we asleep or are we awake? I'm looking forward to revival. I think we're building up towards something. God help us not to go to sleep. We're too close now. We're too close to seeing good things happen. Come ahead with a song. That's all I've got for you today. God bless you.